Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of She's the Barista. Yeah, hello. Very great to have you back. And hello to everyone who is listening for the very first time. This podcast is kindly supported by Rancilio Germany. So thank you so much for making this possible. And this episode is a very interesting episode for me because most of the times I have the luck and um, the privilege that the guests that I invite to the show are people that I know personally. So I've either, we're either friends or I've met them at multiple occasions all around the world and we had the time to have a chat. But not this time. I have invited a person that is incredibly impressive and that I actually never met privately. Um, so I have a lot to learn. I have so many questions. Um, I know that she is incredibly impressive, that she has a long history of competitions in the UK and that she has placed third in the world this year at the World Barista Championships. But before I go on ranting about her, let's talk to her and let's welcome her. And here she is, Claire. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I'm so, so excited to have you on. How are you? I'm really good. Yeah, just relaxed and not stressed for once. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice. Um, for our listeners, it is um, quite late in the afternoon or early in the evening. So I am guessing you've had a full day of work to do in the moment. Yeah, a little bit. I was working from home, so it wasn't too bad. I kind of feel a bit oh. more chilled when I can work on my on my sofa. Uh, <laughs> so it's not been too bad. That's great, because that's actually a perfect question as a first question for, for us to get to know you. Um, where do you work in the moment? And where so, do you work? Yeah. So right now, my job title, technically, head of quality for Assembly Coffee in Brixton in London. So most of my days involve roasting coffee, cupping coffee, sample roasting coffee, dialing in coffee, lots of coffee things. Um, yeah. So most yeah, that I get to um, stay home and, and do some admin and catch up on emails and things because I'm normally drinking espresso or turning things brown. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And Assembly is a shop that's quite known in the European coffee scene. Um, and London, obviously, the, yeah. the focus or one of the, I would say, yeah, London, most of well, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. one of the leading coffee cities in all of Europe. Um, Claire, you are one of my very few guests that I have on this podcast that I actually don't know personally. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have never had the time to sit down and chat. And I think we only really saw each other in the last competition, which we're going to talk about a lot later on. Yeah. But for me, it's also really quite exciting because I'm going to ask you so many questions now about <laughs> how you got to coffee and what was your inspiration, all of those things. Um, and we have so, so many mutual friends and acquaintances. Course, it's kind of yeah. crazy. We've never spoken before <laughs> really properly. Is. Um, but yeah, let's start with how did you get into coffee? Oh, 
Well, many years ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you were before. born Londoner. Londoner. I'm not actually. I'm from no? Scotland. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, so Scottish and proud. Um, <laughs> no, I was born in Aberdeen, which is the northeast of Scotland. It's coffee in Scotland as well, um, because Scotland, certainly Glasgow, Edinburgh, and even more rural Scotland has a really buzzing coffee scene, which is really nice. Loads of independent cafes and independent roasteries. Um, so I really started to get into specialty coffee at an independent cafe in Edinburgh, um, just working as a barista day to day on bar shifts. Um, and from there, I progressed to a really well-known cafe in Scotland called Brew Lab Coffee, where they had a training space in the basement and lots of competitive baristas um, and a really sort of fast-paced university cafe. And that's where I really sort of found my like, OK, this is what I want to do. Um, worked there as a barista trainer, their head barista, um, all the way up until I moved to London five years ago, um, where I got the job at Assembly, started as an account manager and just sort of was like worked my way into the roasting with elbows elbowing people <laughs> out the way to get there um and yeah just sort of worked a few different roles at assembly and I'm I'm head of quality and I've been at assembly the entire time I've been in London so over four years now so you as a teenager had the plan and the idea to always work in cafe <laughs> well it was it was university so I actually went to the university of Glasgow to do law so Ooh, I have a law degree. Yeah, I've been <laughs> um, there. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, we, we've all got those degrees that we're like, do I actually use this in day to day life? I did. Yeah. I did start this degree, and then I decided it's not for me after eight months, and then. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like even if it's not a degree you use day to day, like the stuff that you learn in those eight months or four years or whatever, I find keeps cropping back up in day to day life as being useful. I find the law degree quite useful for competition actually in a weird way it sort of really helped me learn how to structure this is, it's loads of essays right and loads of being able to structure arguments in compelling ways um and I find that really useful for writing competition routines and also for public speaking in a really easy like and like getting information across to people in a clear way um you have to do that in a, a lot so uh I it's weirdly come around circle I see um, so you are one of those people that actually paid attention while you were <laughs> studying and now you can use your learned skills not like me who just sat in the classroom didn't know what's going on and then decided to just leave after eight months <laughs> I mean you knew what you wanted and you went for it so I that's respect <laughs> very respectable I got all the way to the end and was like mm, tax isn't for me no but that already explains so much for me later on which we are going to discuss so um so whilst you were studying, you were obviously going to those, those cafes and you were also working in it to earn some extra money? Yeah, so I went to a lot of, I studied in a lot of cafes, lots of specialty cafes in Glasgow where I went to uni. Um, and that was really my first exposure to coffee as a thing. Um, and actually what? my first ever coffee job was as a barista in Starbucks while I was at uni. Mm. Um, I think that's most, pe a lot of people in the UK's first sort of exposure to coffee is through a chain shop because we do have a lot of chain stores here too mm. but actually it was a really great place to get my first foundation because the one I worked in was very high volume mm. um you had to multitask a lot remember a lot of different menus and they're really big on customer service as a part of your training so as a first hospitality job I actually think it was a really it laid a really good foundation um, mm -hmm. and that experience was what to get my first specialty coffee job because it gave me a slight edge ever had the hospitality experience 
Um, absolutely. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I can absolutely understand because I've also working with people that have already had high volume jobs. They're just, yes. they're just like, they see things differently. They're like, yes, we need to take care of all of the quality and all of this, but also there's a customer standing there waiting for, for us. And yeah. he's kind of like paying us in the moment. So like people, yeah. People who've done that understand how to build an order. Yeah. And it's easier to sort of build, teach them how to build a quality order on the basis of their like speed skills than it is to teach someone who's really meticulous but also very slow to speed mm. up <laughs> so and I think, also yeah. yeah to organize your workspace I think those yeah. courses are incredibly structured and 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 learning how to give information to new staff as well yeah 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 it's definitely a I'll get I'll give them that it is very good for, <laughs> for cafe workflow and organizing and, and stuff. um but yeah that's that's how I sort of got started and left university didn't really know if I wanted to work in law or not. So I took a year out, um, did some traveling and stuff. And when I came back to Scotland, um, I got a job in the specialty cafe, almost as just like, a, I'll get this until I figure out which law firm I want to work for. <laughs> and then mm. I just never left coffee and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> so did you have like a mentor who showed you everything in the specialty coffee shops or was it more like a team effort or was it you and yourself having to learn a lot oh I've had so many mentors over the I think every place I've gone or every experience I've had there's been people that I've come across who've mentored me uh, like the first person who hired me for that specialty cafe was uh, a guy I'd met at a cupping in Glasgow I just went to off of chance before I even worked in coffee I just was like man up Claire and go to this cupping and I happened to sit next to him and he kind of took me under his wing at the first cafe I worked in and really showed me the ropes of how to properly use a manual espresso machine because you know Starbucks is very button pushy you don't really have control you just kind of go press that button turn mm. the steam on then it does mm. it for you sort of thing um so he really taught me that and then when I moved to my second cafe job in Edinburgh um that's where I did my first proper SCA competition and so there were the head barista at the time really took me under her wing and taught me everything she knew and um Yeah, it was a bunch of people across many different stages that have sort of taken me to the next stage of coffee. So you've already mentioned um, SCA competition. Which year was that? That was so the first SCA competition I did, I think was in 2016, Ooh. I want to say. The UK Barista Championship 2016. I'd done the AeroPress Championships the year before, and that was my first yeah. ever coffee competition. Do um, they count, though? <laughs> hey, they were fun. They were a nice little, like... Baby, baby entry into coffee <laughs> competitions and hey I won and got to go to Seattle so I am not knocking it oh <laughs> I'll take that plane ride to Seattle <laughs> amazing but oh, yeah the... so you competed in the Rista for the first mm -hmm. time in 2016 very different times back then if you compare it to nowadays because yes. couldn't last even if it's only six years but everything changed oh completely <laughs> yeah even the way we like structure the way we deliver tasting notes is completely different exactly. now exactly. it's crazy um may i ask which which place you took uh yeah so that was my first competition and i actually came third that year um That's somehow impressive. <laughs> i have no idea how how did that feel for you that was it was honestly it was actually like opened so many doors for me in terms of i think i shocked a lot of people um yeah. because the people the Uh, people I came 
So I was third and who came first and second, but Dan Fellows and Dale Harris. Uh, <laughs> so that was, it was just those two. And like this girl from Edinburgh who'd never done a coffee competition before and was still working 45 hours a week as a barbarista and fitting in training around that. So it was just, it was really unexpected actually. Um, mm -hmm. And nobody really, finals are always in London, usually in the UK. Um, so I'd come mm -hmm. all the way down from Scotland. And nobody really knew who I was because I worked in a cafe in Scotland um and then I came third and everyone was like oh who are you oh <laughs> and a lot of do you want a, a lot of doors open <laughs> yeah literally a lot of connections came out of that um and I also learned a whole lot because I was very naive going into it I knew nothing about sourcing very mm. little about green or like it was so I chose a Rwandan coffee for that competition and that was oh. sort of around the time where every Rwandan had lots of potato defect but I had no idea what that was I just oh. tasted a delicious coffee and was like yeah, let's go with this. First shot I pulled on stage, first round, huge stinking potato. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was a massive learning oh, opportunity okay, from okay, that side you, of things. Maybe, yeah, can you maybe quickly, <laughs> as as the professional, and you're also roasting and sourcing, um, mm. and to our audience what a potato defect is in Rwandan coffee? Because it's it's something that's very known for professional baristas, and mm -hmm. we kind of like know how it tastes. Um but how would you describe it for someone who's never heard of this? Yeah, um, so potato defect, it's um, a, a green coffee defect that can occur in even just one bean in a batch or a few beans in a batch. Um, it's not a visual defect, you can't look at it, but when you grind the roasted coffee, it will smell like a raw potato. Um, and Some when you smell it, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's very apparent. Once you've smelled it once, you'll never, yeah. you'll never miss it. And it is very Rwandan. I don't know why, but yeah. I think yeah. the defect lives lives in Rwanda. Yeah, and Burundi to an extent. But and yeah, it was yeah. just sure, yeah. it's gotten a lot better over the last few years. But yeah, that was um that was a, a learning curve for sure. <laughs> um so obviously after your first comp, you've realized you've got great potential, you're a great presenter, you know how mm -hmm. to it was your first like you've done the hard, the hard work was over, I would say, because the hard work is always like jumping over that shadow and going on stage. Mm -hmm. Who motivated yeah. you? How, how, what, what motivated you back then to go on the stage? Oh, um, I mean, I'm, I think, quite a competitive person anyway, uh, which kind of always mm -hmm. helps. But yeah, I come from a, a theater background and dancing and singing and that sort of thing has been like a big feature in all of my my sort of childhood into teenagehood into university and so I like performance mm -hmm. performing and that competition almost feels like you're delivering a 15-minute monologue mm -hmm. um, so it's you almost go on stage and get into not a character but a, a characterized version of you and so it, it, I quite enjoy that um, in a masochistic kind of way. <laughs> Just um, imagining you now like as, in a, as a Shakespearean actor. <laughs> Who art thou, coffee? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I wanted to be like the baristas I was working with who'd done lots of and, and back then we had Scottish heats for the competition. They don't do so many of them now, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, I wanted to be like them because I thought they just knew so much and they were so good at tasting. And um, I wanted to be better and be like them and competitions just seemed like the perfect way to do it. And mm -hmm. I quite like... If I book something and set myself a goal and an end date for when something has to be done, 
that motivates me to do it. And I wanted this professional and personal sort of push because it scared me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I just booked it and was like, if I don't book it, I'll never do it. And so I just did it. (laughs) Did you have a trainer or did you do it completely by yourself? No. So the the head barista in that cafe was my trainer. um, And Mm. she was an incredible like taster and very good at, you know, helping me dial in and learn the ropes. Um, Mm. I wrote the routine myself, which was great. Um, and yeah, there was another huge. colleague. Yeah. yeah, and there was another colleague doing brewer, uh, Brewers Cup at the time as well. So we all became a little team together, mm. um, and yeah, helped each other out, which was really great. That yeah, a very very great experience for the first ever comp. Oh, it was um, amazing. I wouldn't well, replace it. Obviously, you wanted to go again. Yes. What happened afterwards? <laughs> so this was a this was interesting. The second time round, I did it. I didn't even make semifinals. I think, mm. I don't know if I got cocky or I was like, I can do this because I'm obviously going to do better. And mm. I think I just picked, the, I just didn't nail my tasting notes and yeah, I just didn't make it. And that was a real crush to me because mm. I hadn't had the experience before of not failing, but not doing what I expected mm-hmm. the outcome to be because I'd won the AeroPress and I'd come third to these people. And so that was actually a really great uh, lesson to learn in that I need to remove my sort of sense of I'm going to place here because I placed here from competition and reframe it to, well, what am I going to learn from this cycle? What am I going to gain personally from this cycle of competition? And that's really helped me reframe how I look at competition experiences in a much more positive way. So no matter what happens, I always take something good from it um, and don't really get down on myself if things don't go as planned because things never go as planned. No, they never. (laughs) Never. (laughs) But isn't it the hardest thing to go out of these competitions and being like you've put your heart and soul into it and then you're not placing where you want to place? I know. It's it's crushing actually. It's really it's really difficult because yeah, you spend so much time and effort on it. Um but yeah, you just yeah, I had to reframe it and be like, just okay, today I didn't nail it. That's totally fine. Next year, try again. Um and every year I feel like I lay another layer of foundational skills like the first year you do it you might not do so great but think of all the work that you've done to get yourself to a level that next year you don't have to do that work again so Mm -hmm. think about what you can do next year to build on top of that and you just come back stronger and stronger even if there's hiccups along the way or you don't do exactly how you predicted um like the the people who do best in worlds it takes them 10 10 goes sometimes Mm -hmm. to win their nationals but by then they're so ready exactly Oh, so, I got. I yeah. love. Yeah, I love quoting. I think I've already said it in another episode of this podcast. But there's been a situation with um, Sasha Sastik, um, mm. world champion in 2015, um, and he went to the Australian competition so many times. Yeah, the Dale point. was the same. Dale yeah, attempts at nationals before he won, but then <laughs> went to the worlds and won first yeah. time. So exactly. But it's, it was to the extent that one of the judges said to him, please don't come back. What? You're so bad. Please don't come back. <laughs> and that motivated him so much that the year afterwards, he was just like re-looking at everything that he did and he like broke through this, like he found carbonic maceration and it was his breakthrough. And so after years and years and years of getting battled down, even to the point where other people don't believe in you anymore, he showed everyone that if you're being persistent enough (laughs) 
you can win the world <laughs> exactly and like that was bad of that judge to say come on because it's yeah yeah because what I think a lot of first-time competitors and I give this advice a lot to people who are looking to compete I think a lot of people look outside of them what other people are doing and other people's success or oh they're so much further ahead of me um I'll never win I'll never do this I'll never do that and they don't keep trying they don't look at it as a personal journey they'll look outwards and I'm like just put the blinkers on and just focus on your journey and try to do better every year on your path Mm. because that's how it becomes a rewarding journey rather than a soul-crushing one Mm. Um, and I think the judges should encourage that and be like you did this really great this really great next year this is your improvement this is your improvement thank you (laughs) yeah I think we can all agree on that was very unprofessional wording (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah Um, too blunt (laughs) So after you didn't even make it to semis in mm. NMS, that was 2017 then? Oh, I'm losing. Tr- it might have been 2000 and. Oh, uh, yeah, no, it, might have, it must have been 2017. Yeah, yeah. And then I judged in 20. 20- so you went into judging? Just for a year. Yeah, I wanted a year off of competing. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, maybe I was the reference barista 2018 and I judged 2019. I think that was it. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted a year off of competing and I wanted to see what it was like on the other side of the table. Um, and what did, the, what did this give you? That was actually incredibly useful because mm. you get an idea as to what the judges are actually talking about, which mm. I think a lot of competitors, I mean, there's a, a bit of a lack of transparency between the two anyway, what the competitors think the judges want and what the judges are actually talking about backstage. Um, and I learned a lot about how they how they analyze the coffees in front of them and like what they're actually looking for and what a three is and what a four is and what a five is. And that was really, really useful to know um, because then I could take it back to my, the way I deliver taste notes and the way I analyze my own espressos in training and think of it through a, a judge's lens. And we're lucky in the UK and that a lot of UK judges are very experienced and very good at giving feedback. So um, from a competitor side, we're, we're normally pretty good at getting nice um, but being on the other side of the table, you also experience the pacing of a routine from the other side, exactly. which is another really useful thing to know um, as a competitor. To Where do you want to give the judges space to breathe, space to taste, space to enjoy, and where can you, where can you give them lots of information? Because um, as a judge, if you have to write a lot of things down really fast, it sets you in a very stressful mood and you don't enjoy the rest of the routine. Um, so, yeah. If anyone wants to compete or has competed a few times and takes a year out to judge, it's an incredibly useful thing to do. And I think what you also realize when you go into judging, even I haven't been into judging, but I think I've got judged enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> to return on the other side now. I think so. So this year I was emceeing the German nationals for the yeah, very first time ever. It was the very first time I was not competing. Um, and I've realized that. The, How much more relaxing was it? <laughs> oh, cannot tell you. Very relaxing. <laughs> but um, a lot of the people, like, I love that the stage can be used to, like, transport a theme or a story or anything else. But some people, sometimes I was just standing there with a the microphone and I wish, be, I wish I could have said, like, the judges can't judge a nice story. <laughs> Where are your facts? <laughs> Where are your I know. I think it's also yeah on the outside looking in at from a from a 
on. And that's that other okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Claire, I lost you for a, like 20 seconds. Can oh. you say, you didn't hear it, but I didn't hear you. So can you go again after I said you cannot judge a pretty story? Yes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, because what I was, I said the, um, from a spectator's point of view, watching routines the story is what draws you in and what what you see from the from the audience and but then if you see oh that was my favorite routine of the day but then it doesn't score that well people are like what's gone wrong what's happening but mm. that's the yeah the score sheet the weighing of the score sheet is not in favor of the fancy routine more than it is the coffee taste mm. um, that's the important bit at the end of the day Exactly. And it's so heart crushing because that's the same thing that always happens to me. I'm just like, <laughs> I just wanted to have a nice routine. And then I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it, I think it's very eye opening once you start kind of like understanding the score sheet. But also, we, I think it's very important to tell the audience that just being, having, having, have been, being a judge, I don't know what's the correct term. If you were a judge and you go and compete, that does not mean that you're going to win because you know what they're judging. No. It's always different. There's been many judges this year that have competed in the world competition. Mm -hmm. and they have maybe not placed in the top because even then it is still up to the calibration of the judges and what yeah. they are calibrated to. But it does give you a very good insight and it also helps you helping others because once you have this skill of knowing the score sheet kind of, not always completely, but kind of, um, you can pass your knowledge to new competitors or other competitors that are like trying their best but kind of like having no idea what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, you can set them on the right path and then exactly. there's always sort of 10% of luck of the draw on the day as to whether panel mm. calibrated to like your coffee or not like your coffee and sometimes yeah you've just got to sort of leave it in the hands of the hands of the universe sometimes yeah <laughs> it's it's actually fi funny because we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit later with like how things can be perceived over a period of different days mm. um after judging you decided that your feet were itchy and you wanted to compete again Yes, I did. <laughs> did you always compete in uh, only in Barista or did you ever do anything else? I've done cupcakes just a couple of times, oh, not yeah. very successfully. Um, I think I'm one of those people that I can't cup it under pressure at speed. I like taking my time with cupping. <laughs> um, so I don't think cup tasters is for me. I will happily put that out there and say I'm terrible at it. Um, but yeah, no, Barista's always been the focus for me, partly because I'm stubborn. Mm. And so I always just wanted to do the best that I could in it. Um, mm. Coffee and Good Spirits is on my to-do oh, yes, it's never a line oh 100% I wanted to do it this year so badly and then the UK I, scheduled well. the Nationals two <laughs> weeks before Melbourne and I was like why have you done this to me uh, <laughs> why so 2024 maybe um, but yeah the universe never aligned where I could participate in Coffee and Good Spirits so most um, so yeah. yeah 2020 I entered again um, and yeah I used a great coffee um, I was coached by the person that coached me for worlds and nationals this year was also my coach for 2020 my my really good friend Rosa 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we we work really really well as a as a team. With, she has a lot of things that on the day when I'm panicking just mm. disappear from my brain. <laughs> She's really good at keeping those things. Mm. Um, and yeah, we came second that year, um, and that was obviously before COVID lockdown. Um, uh. We we did the competition, and then COVID happened. Um, but yeah, so nothing happened for ages and ages and ages. Um, the world's got moved three times, obviously. Yeah, um, but did you always have like? Did you now have also the time benefit to be like, I'm just gonna prepare, 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 prepare because there will be a end of COVID one day, and then there'll be competitions again. Or did you just leave it and like just enjoy yourself? I kind of yeah, I kind of let it rest for a while yeah. because I was on. I don't know if you had this. I don't know if you had furlough in Germany. Um, something similar. We we had the government paying everyone to not go to work, yeah. basically, mm. um, for nine months. So I didn't even touch an espresso machine for nine months. Um, but we also didn't know when the worlds were going to be. So it was mm. really up in the air as to when the champion of 2020 would have even competed. Mm. Um, so I really only started getting my head in the game after he competed in i want to say milan mm-hmm. i can't remember now milan yeah yes correct. and then i watched all the other everyone else's routines from that and i was like okay i'm doing this again it's it's happening again <laughs> in the right headspace let's go <laughs> and you did you competed again and um i think your competition was also this year right like your nationals yes. were in yeah, yeah. may Oh, yeah, God. May or June. I can't remember one of those. Oh no, it must have been May June or June. I was watching it, and I was saying that you use the exact same coffee that I use for Burris. You ah. use Jamison Savage. Yes, right? yes, 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 yes. It was so the good. The Echo. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was delicious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I, I just remember watching you, and then I was just like, huh. We have the same coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have great taste. <laughs> <laughs> but you used it as a as a single, I think. Um, yeah. Which is a bold move for barista because it is a very delicate and washed coffee, which is very structured, mm. very clean. Yeah. And with those very filigree washed coffees, you might struggle with milk ba- milk beverages because there's just not not extremely much body so i was just yeah, yeah, yeah. very very proud that you did i mean the coffee is amazing we don't have to talk about james savage because he's just a great oh, he knows he knows what he's doing he knows he's, what he's, he's doing. great <laughs> but it's still like you still pull it off with a coffee that could be seen as risky although it's at its top of its league yeah um, i mean blends in barista in the uk is is still not really a thing um i'm sure next year it will be everywhere which um, i find I think, interesting yeah yeah everyone used singles um, yeah that's, i think that's in the top against the trend <laughs> yeah or oh, the trend hasn't got here it's in brewer's cup massive massive yeah. massive massive but not not in barista yeah. um which i find kind of interesting but I, interesting. I imagine yeah, yeah. I, we have an ek43 so maybe as our sponsor grinder so Maybe that allows us a little bit more. You can change your coffee round to round. So maybe. Absolutely. With the Mythos as a world sponsor, I think blending will probably become more of a, more common. You should see more coffee. I mean, you could, you could do a single with one of the grinders and then do a blend in the Portafilter, I guess, because. Um, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Andrea. The anxiety, yeah. The anxiety Andrea of keeping. 
with the EK, but um, yeah. I think that's a great option. Um, I think we have to explain. So every year um, there are certain sponsors for the World Championships and 2022 was the first year ever where I think ever or like that we can remember where one of the main sponsors that usually provides a um, standalone grinder or shop grinder, the so-called EK43 from Malkönig was not sponsoring, but um, Victoria Arduino was sponsoring with the Mythos Grinder. And that is a normal shop grinder that is has a big hopper and you just insert a lot of coffee and you it, it's really hard to single, single dose grind. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite impossible, to be honest. Yeah, the, um, the retention makes it impossible yeah. pretty much. <laughs> um, so this was a massive change for this year's competitors in how they structure the routine because i would say that nearly a hundred percent of the people that went to finals always used single dose coffee yeah in the last couple of years um i mean it had a slight advantage though because our nationals in 2022 was the first year we'd ever not had either a mythos or a k30 as our sponsor yeah. Yeah. So um, we come. I, I was kind of used to using Mythoses as my competition mm. grinder by that point. So I think that kind of worked. I knew what I knew what was going to happen. I knew yeah. that I would have to dial in rapidly again on stage. So yeah, I kind of prepared exactly. myself for it. Which nice. <laughs> um, and you won, and yeah. it was uh, quite a spectacle because um, I don't want to go wrong, but you're the first woman who won the. UK Barista Championship in a very long time. Yes, it was 18 years since the last woman <laughs> won. <laughs> I know. Really? It's, it's also, yeah, so we won at the same time as, I know you've had Sierra on your podcast exactly. recently. Um, and yeah. we both won at the same event and we're both training together. Um, and it was the first time that two women had won the two competitions at the same time. Ever in the UK yeah. history. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Also, I think we have to, like, I thought it was incredible to see that many women at the world's level. And for me, that was definitely a change to the past years that I've been visiting. Um, I remember Coffee and Good Spirits, we were three women backstage, or like in the third competition. Um, and yeah, it was just great to see that so many national champions are women. Yeah, and definitely that this fear that was there for so many years, which I still don't understand, has kind of like gone off because of people like you and like me that constantly go on stage and constantly be like, nah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the fire under my ass, to be honest, exactly. for the UK barista competition was almost the the little nagging sense of, well... I think a lot of people were resigned to the fact that a woman probably wouldn't win anytime soon. Yeah. And not because they didn't think that the women in the UK coffee industry weren't good, but it was just this, no matter how many women competed, there'd only ever be one in the finals mm. and they'd get close, but they'd never do it. And everyone was like, well, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the fire under my ass of like the UK coffee industry is incredibly diverse in gender and obviously race and, and other things like that, which is a whole other issue. Um, but certainly on a gender perspective, we're very women strong, but it's not reflected on the top level. And I was like, that's like a glass ceiling that somebody needs to smash through. 
and I'm and you did sound, yeah not to sound <laughs> egotistical but it's I was the closest person that kept getting close but not quite getting there so I was like well if someone's gonna do it first time it better be me yeah um and then I can you know take all that experience and help other women and just give them a, a boost so hopefully they can get there too and you definitely did this because I know so many girls that, uh, that just completely look up to you and they're like UK UK coffee and like Claire is is the one thing that I keep hearing all the time oh <laughs> so nice so you're doing a fantastic job um oh. after you won the UK Barista Championship obviously yes. you had a couple of drinks and you celebrated just a few just a few <laughs> then you had to book a ridiculously expensive flight to Melbourne oh. with a oh super overpriced hotel <laughs> correct <laughs> super Airbnb but yeah oh Airbnb all right yeah same same yeah yeah oh. and then you flew I think you flew a week before the competition, right? I think it was 10 or so days yeah. before. Because I'd been to Australia before and I knew what the jet lag would do to mm. me. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, I don't care if I'm paying for this out of pocket. I'm budgeting mm. those days in because I want to be sharp. Mm. Like leading into the last few days of competition, mm. especially. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad we did it. Because by the time competition rolled around, I was completely in the time zone. And But yeah, it's really hard going that far for for competition and having to like body clock and get all of your kit halfway across the planet is just it's an a, an endeavor <laughs> it's a nightmare an expensive nightmare yeah Ooh, boy. <laughs> um before we talk about your competition yeah. um in melbourne um mm-hmm. there's a question that i also get asked a lot that's why i reckon you get asked as well um How did you approach sourcing? Because you did not compete with the same coffee as the nationals. No. Um, you changed your coffee. You used a coffee from La Negrita in Colombia, right? Yes, I did. Um, yeah. And it was the Cedra variety? Natural yeah. Cedra? Oh. Yeah. Okay, good. Nailed it. <laughs> um, um, so when did you decide to use this coffee and how did you source it and why did you choose it? Yeah, so there obviously wasn't enough. Um, Jameson didn't really have a lot of coffee left mm. um, for, I mean, he had enough for like, not nearly enough for mythos use on the world stage. So we kind of had to re-evaluate. We got lots of samples sent to us from lots of people, um, cup things and everything was like not quite calling to me. So I wanted a coffee that not only was like really clear flavors, but also one that I am like really felt connected to and really loved to drink because that I think comes across when you're serving it to people. Um, and Rosa and I both remember we were backstage at the UK and we could just, we were just sitting there waiting our turn to dial in. And then this smell and it was like the strongest pina colada tropical fruit intensity. Mm. And we were like, what is that coffee? Where is it coming from? And it was another competitor who was using Mauricio's coffee in the nationals and it was the most intense mm. fruit bouquet I'd ever smelled and I was like I, I need some of this coffee so we got in touch with him and he actually said well by chance I'll be in Milan for a world of coffee and so were we um so we went to one of his cuppings and met him and his wife absolutely lovely and we cupped all the coffees blind and we picked one and we were like that's pretty stunning he wouldn't tell us what it was he was like come back tomorrow cup again different table 
we cupped again and we were like this this coffee this coffee's stunning it's like the crisp clear flavors it's beautiful to drink and he's like you've just picked the same coffee on the table twice mm. I was like, well that's it then that's the one <laughs> and then he told us what it was he told us how much he had of it um was it the just... same coffee as the one from the the guy used in the nationals in the competition do you know it was and i actually mm. didn't uh it was the fresher crop of the mm. one that he'd used but I, i didn't even because i'd not been able to see his routine because he kept being on after me So I kept missing him. I didn't even realize that that was the same coffee until I got home. And he was like, oh, you've picked, you've picked well. Um, so that was a nice sort of surprise that we have good taste. And he came second, so it's obviously good. Um, and then, yeah, Mauricio was also so generous with his time and, like, any questions I had about the coffee, about processing, about fermentation, he would answer with no hesitation. And he was 100% supporting of me. And it just, everything just felt really right. And so we just went with it. So would you suggest for people that have no idea how to source competition coffee, don't yeah. really know what to do, would you suggest that they would be, for example, a volunteer at a championship for a year and then just like ask the people if he can try the coffees, he or her can try the coffees, and then understand what type of coffees are used on the, on the national level? Yeah, hundred percent. That sounds yeah. like a great thing to do. <laughs> um, and the UK is very community oriented, which is really nice. We host public cuppings a lot. We hosted mm -hmm. a cupping just last week of all the samples we brought back from the world's barista championships. Um, we have four champions who sort of run their own subscription services now where they focus on competition level coffees. So there's lots of opportunities for people to access those coffees. So yeah, tasting them if you can and sort of getting an idea wherever you can of what level of coffee is taken to worlds and taken to nationals certainly but also just if you're looking for a coffee ask advice from previous competitors but also just pick a coffee that you love if it's a coffee you think will win but you don't like it don't serve it <laughs> mm. i'm i'm big on i'm big on being in love with the coffee that you're serving because the judges yeah. can tell if you're not yeah absolutely i would say the same yeah um Well, thank you. Uh, let's <laughs> go to Straya. Did your luggage arrive? Yes, we were totally oh, fine. Thank goodness. One. I yeah. know. The person we were traveling with who wasn't doing competition, his didn't arrive, but ours did. Thank You're goodness. like, I don't care about you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> you don't get my toothbrush. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um... Yeah, so you had time to, uh, to like arrive you probably trained somewhere yes um, yeah we did and now you want to speak a little bit about your routine and what you've done um so when i had the chance to watch it i just... still so surreal to me that like you've watched me <laughs> i don't know why i know i know that like we do it but it's still really weird to Like and like, look up to who watched it. It's weird. What? <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I've I've watched it uh, in, in this space. <laughs> to take it, like <laughs> just take it. <laughs> um, and I was turning around to my husband, and I was like, "That is textbook. That is how every single person who has no idea how to make a should do." a competition you i think that so your first round was a bit wobbly yeah um, that's an understatement 
But let's talk about my impressions first and then how your placement changed. So when I watched you, your, I think I've, because I'm always like really stressed when I watch competitors and I'm constantly mm-hmm. checking the time. So mm-hmm. I think at like six minutes, you have pulled three double shots for your signature beverage which yeah. I also want to ask later on because that's a lot of espressos for a signature beverage compared mm-hmm. to like normal ratios. Um, that's why I remember it so clearly. And then two, uh, for all the four espressos to serve, and that was in six minutes. And in six minutes, you just you just barked all of the information that the judges <laughs> were like, suckers, you have to write everything down now because I'm busy with my hands and I can't, can't stand in front of you. <laughs> And you were just like, I would probably have said, please write down. And then, like, the judges could not take a break for a long time. But in the same time, it was easy to write down because you're just Mm -hmm. completely focused on, like, I'm going to give you a lot of information that you probably have to write down. So I'm going to do it when you don't have to look into my face anyway. Yeah. So. You were focusing on pulling shots, which is very time efficient. You're focusing on giving information that was very connected to a topic, the topic that you chose that was very simple. And I can understand it completely because that was my topic in 2020. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of similarities between yeah. the presentation that you did and the presentation that I did for Nationals 2020 mm-hmm. when I completely bombed. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, ah, this is how you do it. (laughs) Right. Um, So your topic was fermentation. Um, You started saying, I have a coffee that's fermented. It's fermented in this and that and that way. And um, this triggers this and this triggers that. And it was very um, detailed, all of your information, which Mm -hmm. was like it made it really easy to make it easy to understand for the judges, like Mm. why you're taking this topic and what's doing with the flavors. and then I think it was that you were done with all of your shots at 10 minutes. You've served mm-hmm. the milk beverage, you've served your espresso, so you've had five minutes to just mix your signature drink. And your signature drink had a little bag of fermented <laughs> And I shit you not when I was preparing for, and you used lactobacillus, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I was living in a flat that was covered in bags of fermenting fruit in various stages. Various I literally stages. can't eat blueberries anymore. <laughs> I, I went with uh, lactose fermented grapes and I've showed it to the judges like you did. I'm like, this is not like that. This is funny. Um, found it very interesting that you gave them the juice to try mm. because that would have been a thing where even I as a competitor would have been like, are you allowed to do that? But you are because there's nothing in the world that you can't. Um, so that was a very smart move. Um, and then you've had even even your signature drink is like textbook signature drink. You've used mm-hmm. a fruit, you've used a tea, you've used coffee, you've used a sweetener, which was uh, was it honey? No, coconut something. Yeah, like, coconut sugar. Yeah, coconut sugar. And a dash of salt. And everyone who's listening and, and doesn't know how to make a signature drink, this is how you make a signature drink year after year. 
take a great tea and do something with it, and add fruits and do something with it, and sugar and a dash of salt, and you've got your stupid signature. It's balanced. It works. It's, it always works. It works every single time. So I, so then you finished. I think the first time I couldn't see the first time. I just heard that you were very tight on time and not as mm -hmm. comfortable. So you must have been quite rushed, but you finished in time. That's what I saw. Yeah. Um, and on the first day, you've, I have the rankings here in front of me. You finished 14th, I think, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Which is very far away from three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very far away from three. <laughs> but it was enough for you to go to semis. Yeah. So we've talked earlier about how things might change and things might be the day. And mm -hmm. with first competitions, we hear this all the time. Like, it's the day. Like, on that day, you're like this. Um, first question, how did you feel after your first day? <laughs> and what changed to... <sighs> the next time you were on stage oh yeah a lot um I mean you've been on the world stage before even so the UK national stage is not tiny there's a quite a big audience but the world mm. stage is something else in size so even when I'm from like a performance background and I'm used to being on stage it was still a bit nerve-wracking for the first and I'm always my first run of competition it happened in the nationals as well I was fifth going into finals and then came up to first Mm. that first run is always a little bit shaky as I find mm. my feet on the stage um mm. so I was really really nervous and I distributed my first set of signature drink shots but I did not tamp them um so all three of my signature drink shots Matt Winton um my friend was timing them from the audience because that's what he's like um <laughs> they ran in like 14 seconds but I knew oh. I didn't have time to pull them, so I just re-pulled them. So I just kind of kept going. <laughs> but I didn't even realize I didn't tamp them at the time. I thought they'd all channeled and I was, my brain was like ticking, ticking, ticking. Mm. Um, and I'd also- How lucky it was just for the signature drink, seriously. I know, thank goodness. <laughs> and it's because I was, I think what happened was I'd gone from talking to the judges and I went to move over to my judging station um, and the floor was really slippy and I slipped. And I almost fell. You can hear it on the live stream. I go, Ooh. <laughs> and that I think threw me a little bit. And so my muscle memory didn't kick in like it should have done. And so mm -hmm. I just distributed and my brain went, yep, that's you done. <laughs> right, that's um, one small black round thing done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex that was exactly what it was. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I just kind of kept going. But it, there was a point in my head where I was like, what is even the point? It's done now. It's done now. It's done now. And then yeah. I was distributing my espresso. What, maybe I just didn't tamp those. Maybe I should just, let's just tamp these ones. And yeah. those ones didn't. And I was like, that's exactly <laughs> what I've done. Oh my God. So I just kept going. And yeah, I was a little bit nervy. Um, my milk wasn't the neatest. And obviously my sick drink scores would have been much lower than they should have been. Um, but I was convinced that, that that was it. That I was just done. At world's level, if you don't tamp, you're done. Um, it must it, be a pretty good coffee that survives a no tamp I remember I remember um, Matt coming to us and he's like oh yeah she's out she didn't yeah. tamp and then and then we were all standing there and we were like maybe she 
didn't temp on purpose. And then we tried to make sense out of it. And we we're just like, she probably tempt, didn't temp on purpose because why would she not temp? Maybe I shouldn't be telling you this. Maybe I should be like, yeah, it was totally on purpose. Uh, I just wanted like a, a, a really tea-like body. It's the, it's the fast, yeah, it's the fast flow, super high water extraction to get more acidity I out just of really enjoy a low TDS. Just a really... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So that changes <laughs> for the next time. And then the cold money first announcements. Yeah. <laughs> it changed. Yeah, I tamped next time. And you're like, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, they called my name, which utterly blew that I'd managed to get through um, and then I was like okay I'm never I'm putting my all into this next round because I'd already exceeded my expectation um, and I tamped and that helped me score higher <laughs> um, but I was also more comfortable on the stage so I could deliver a better version of the routine than day one I think my pacing was probably better my engagement with the judge every round that I did I got more comfortable in the space and just got better mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it really shows on the score sheet. <laughs> yeah, you can't argue with that. Number 14 to number three in the world. Um, <laughs> did you, how did it feel to go from semi? How does it feel to go the next round? I never knew how it feels. <laughs> I only like go into world competitions where there's like, if it's not today, it's never. <laughs> no I mean I the nice thing about it being my first world is the same as like when it's your absolutely zero expectations of yourself oh, yeah, the um, so you're a little bit freer in the sense that mm. no matter where I place that's my best placement for this for this mm. sort of circumstance so I can be I can maybe like work on look at things to work on but I can be mm. happy with okay this is where I set my bar um, mm. getting to semi-finals was kind of our not well my coach was like we're getting to finals but my goal was like if I could get to semi-finals I would have exceeded every expectation and that happened mm. and that was incredible so going in to semis I was like I'll just do my best and no matter what happens it, it happens and then they announced finals and I think I felt like I was gonna be sick because uh, <laughs> it was very surreal um <laughs> Because as a barista competitor, you watch all these routines on YouTube and you sort of, you have to watch a lot of routines to figure out how yours should look and, and stru be structured. And it was just very surreal that I was standing in the place where all of those people had also been. And because I've done so many national competitions in pursuit of it, I was just like, is this actually happening? This is really bizarre. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So, um, congratulations again, Claire, <laughs> Thank the you. world. Uh, are you going to compete again in Barista? Or is that, is, is that big, massive trophy enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not not for me. I'm undecided because I feel like I had, a, I had a fire under me to do nationals every time because I had a goal that I wanted to achieve and that was to, that was to win and I achieved that goal. Mm. Um, and I obviously had a fire under me for worlds to do as best as I could um and I've like exceeded and like beaten those expectations massively but also not even just the placement like the, the entire experience of this competition run I genuinely don't know how I could top it because I've mm. worked with like, one of my greatest friends and the best coach 
the coffee that I served is probably one of my favorite coffees ever. And I've had like the support from Mauricio, even Mauricio being in the audience while I was serving his coffee. Mm. Like that is, and then getting to serve him an espresso on stage, I don't mm. think is an experience I could top. So mm. I don't know if I'll defend my title this year because I'm tired. But yeah. also I just, <laughs> this is an experience that I'm genuinely like, I don't know if I can top it. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know if third to first is, you still have to do a lot of work to get to first. Um, um, yeah, I mean, third out of how many competitors like I, I i remember it never stopped the people that came on stage that all competed like, i think it was like 48 of them or something 47 48 40 i'm having the list again in front of me but I'm 42 3 4 5 45 okay, it felt yeah. like 400 to <laughs> so many of us i didn't know how we were all gonna fit in a row also because in the <laughs> audience you need to clap so long there's a lot of clapping yeah <laughs> Um, um, so maybe not in barista, but coffee and good spirits. That's that might be my next challenge. We'll see. Yes. Oh god, I fucking love coffee and good spirits. I know. I really, really want to do it so badly. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my favorite competition. Um, I'm well, asking I'm... you for advice when I do it for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Look. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's next, uh, as a What's what's happening now? What has changed since this absolutely incredible, crazy experience? <laughs> um, so far, not too much. It's actually been nice to come back and kind of have some relaxing time and get back into the swing of work and also have my weekends free. Um, but what's also really nice is getting to take back a sort of experiences of Melbourne and the coffees of Melbourne and getting to like bring it back to the uk community so we're we've had mm. that cupping um we're going to be going on a little sort of northern england coffee tour in the next couple of weeks visiting some cafes and brewing some of our leftover mauricio mm. um and going to manchester coffee festival and seeing people there so it's just it's nice to relax a little bit but also get to share some of the the fun of australia with the uk community um, yeah and yeah just enjoying that for a little while and then we'll see We'll see what happens. Competition season kicks off again here in January or February, I think. So, yeah, it must be it must be happening soon because uh, next Worlds is uh, in Athens in June already. I know. That's why um, I'm like, I don't know if I can do it again so soon. <laughs> just realizing, like after so many years, and I'm also like deciding to take a little bit of a break because um, yeah. there's also like I can't do birds again. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much work it's just it's, yeah I'm, I, I just like it's also like I just don't have an idea in the moment that's like yeah. giving me the fire it's just more focused on like maybe making others good enough to to win um yeah. I think I forgot a question actually now that I'm remembering um I said you've used three double shots of espresso for your sleep drink tempt or not still Three double shots are not required by the rules. No, um, they are not. Why? Was it plainly for taste balance? Was there another reason? Because the espresso, by definition, in the rules also has to be like I think at least thirty-eight mm -hmm. grams out, and yours were thirty. Were very close, and so was it a safety shot or? Um. So in the. In the UK, I don't know, this maybe doesn't translate to world's judging, but in the UK, a lot of cut out by um, 
And I just, this is an interesting thing. I don't know how this is judged at Worlds, but basically, so they're not serving a full espresso in your signature drink. Um, then mm. you get no points for that or scored much lower by that judge for your signature drink. Or at least mm -hmm. in the UK, that's how it's scored. Um, and a lot of baristas it get caught out when they're manually distributing their signature drinks. If one's slightly mm. shorter than the other and they've only used four espressos, they mm. lose a lot of points. And it happens a lot in the UK. And so mm. I was like, mm. you know what? I'm not even going to give them the chance to do that to me. I'm going to build three double shots into my workflow um, and just serve them just a slightly scaled up. So I could make it with four shots and then do it that way. I just scale it up slightly. Well, you so just that, have to dilute it a yeah. little bit higher. Yeah, so, so there was a completely calculated thing to do based on your knowledge of the score sheet and based on the knowledge of what has happened to other baristas. Yes, yeah. And mm -hmm. even though I used a drink splitter on stage, um, if something had gone wrong and it was sitting wonky and one of mine was slightly emptier than the others, I still would have nailed that at least one Which espresso. Also, it looked really cool. <laughs> so for the audience, um, you have to serve, we've said this multiple times now, you have to serve espresso, you have to serve milk beverage, which also was quite interesting because you've used a blend of milks. Mm -hmm. um, used not, what word did you use? <laughs> I used, what did I use? I used half uh, of a freeze-distilled lactose-free milk and then half just... Uh, the uh, gold Riverina Fresh, which is like a 3.8%. 50 50 or 60 Okay. So freeze distilled milk means. Uh, <laughs> it's a glossary of competition. Um, so to. It really my... is. We need to. We need to. Like, we need, we need to a cheat sheet. Yeah. Like, not everyone is a super coffee nerd here. Um, um, so in competition, many baristas will. Um, want to increase the fat and the sugar content of their milk so they'll freeze the milk although some people can play with play with how much they let milk and, and basically the components that give you the, the sugars and the fats and will defrost first and leaves more water content behind um, it's interesting because in the UK you don't often have to do that because the milk that we get here is very very rich But then going to Australia and tasting all of their milks, we were like, oh, no, these are nothing like the UK milk. So we kind of had to play around with to sort of create something similar, which is where the blending and the sort of half freeze distilling, half not freeze distilling came into play. Um, we just really in the sugar and the ratios to get it to a place where we could elevate the flavor of the coffee and also get it to the, the texture and the sweet to be. I find it interesting that you used uh, lactose-free milk uh, as a blend, uh, like as the as the free system. Yeah. Um, it is nearly synthetically sweet. I think what I've always done is like I used, because um, I was working with Honor in Australia and we've used mm -hmm. um, low-fat low milk and free yeah. still fat, and that like had this like rich sweetness mm -hmm. in it. Um, but yeah, it, that was a very interesting thing that you did, like using the lactose-free, modeling this, adding it to normal milk, voila, I've got yeah, the best. Yeah, it just, it just brought the, the sweetness that the gold on its own didn't have. And also it helped to balance the coffee because mm. the coffee had quite a lot of, um, especially on the competition, water, mm. quite a lot of vibrancy <laughs> and quite a lot of acidity. Um, mm. And so having the, the sort of 
fat ratio that we had and the sweetness from the lactose-free milk it just brought it brought more harmony um yeah but yeah it's really sweet on its own it's like vanilla ice cream on its own or something yeah so would you say if you if if a competitor goes in with a competition coffee and it's like a great coffee for espresso but mm-hmm. is a little bit yogurty I, I always explain it like that in the milk beverage <laughs> it's a good comparison um, that would be a great way to balance out this acidic the, the acidity from from the espresso in using yeah. freezer soap milk or like using different kinds of freezer soap mm. milk and then and I've done um, that in UK competitions as well. If your coffees mm. maybe, like you said, like the the echo or the more like lighter coffees that maybe wouldn't work in a milk drink as much, um, lowering the fat content of your milk with the skimmed, like a, a blend of skimmed and whole. I've done that before in competition mm. and that helps with the, the taste clarity. Um, mm. So yeah, blending milk is um, a really, really good tool to bring balance to your milk drink, depending on what coffee you're using. Okay. To complicate one more thing in your routine. <laughs> Um, yeah, I love, I love adding things, you know? It can't be simple. <laughs> cool. So you've used blend milk, you've used the splitter thing, so you have to then serve four, because you always have four judges, four signature drinks. We've already talked about the signature drink because you've made the perfect ideal signature drink with fruit, tea, sugar, coffee, and a pinch of salt. Um, great <laughs> Great advice to anyone who's always asking, how do I make a signature drink? This is how you make a signature drink. <laughs> um, but then you have to serve all of those four judges the exact same amount of beverage. Yeah. And you have had a construction on top of your four glasses that mm-hmm. looked like four little... I'm missing the English word. Um I don't think I even know the English word. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not syringe. It's, this is so embarrassing. I always think my English is so good. And then I, and then this happens. You've not seen me try and speak German, so you're fine. Funnel. (laughs) This is the word I'm I'm sorry. Funnel. There you go. So it was a, a four times funnel Mm -hmm. that you just add. The liquid in, in the top and then it just distributes into your four cups um yes is that a thing that you can buy is that a thing that got made for you it's, um, because it's a i've seen it yeah, yeah. it's a it's a shot splitter for like shots like alcoholic shots uh, <laughs> um ah, i bought that from one on the bar industry uh-huh. so most of them come with six um mm-hmm. six funnels on the end so i bought this one on Etsy actually which had four uh, it's just 3D printed uh, but one of the competitors in the UK used it and everyone was like what the heck is that <laughs> so I think it's next year hard. in the UK everyone everyone will use one <laughs> yeah it saves yeah. you so much time it does because especially probably in your first run when you were running low you, were, you mm-hmm. would have probably gone over time if yeah you definitely yeah great great little <laughs> gadget um do i have any other questions wait a second am i through with my questions (laughs) (laughs) rapid fire what do you what did you like about melbourne oh man because you obviously had some time afterwards and you hopefully visited a couple of the coffee shops oh yeah oh yeah i mean i've been to melbourne before but it was it was a, a while ago so i wasn't really fully into like 
cocktails and specialty coffee or anything like that. So getting to come back this time as a, as a grown-up, I guess, um, and re-experience the city was amazing. It's, I could definitely see myself living there. It just seems like such a livable place. Um, coffee's incredible. The brunch is incredible. Everyone's really lovely. <laughs> um, and the weather reminds me of Scotland because it rains a lot. So I was happy there. Everyone's like, <laughs> what? Yeah. In Australia? It's cold in Australia, guys, sometimes. Yeah. But don't get fooled. <laughs> Melbourne in December is like 40 degrees and it's like a hairdryer on you. So yeah, that doesn't all. happen at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think everyone who came back was just like so pumped and being like their hospitality and the, the scene and the, the level of quality and the way how they make their menus as well. Oh, man. Quite outstanding. Next level. Um, the amount of frozen coffee bars and and frozen coffee just being a stable item in cafes was was it's like heaven it's yeah. just like a little willy wonkers for every everyone who is a coffee, coffee professional um it's amazing and, to have that and like everywhere you go you're just like oh exactly. like 10 cafes serving amazing brunch and having like 12 incredible coffees on and even though like standard coffees are just excellent yeah um, i'm jealous london's a bit of a minefield sometimes oh yeah Oh, well, Berlin's well. <laughs> Literally, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a lot of us came back being like oh, so motivated and so, yeah. so like our view opened a little bit and being like, oh, this is how we, how we could be. And this is how there's still so many things to, to do. And I guess that's like people like, us who's who've been doing this since since years and years and years um we go to the place and we go back and we're being inspired and you competing every time you trying coffees from other competitors you going out of your league and going judging shows how important it is in this industry and also in the competition world to not stand still to mm -hmm. to go out and to open your mind and to just let things happen and, and, and be open to new flavors and, and to new things. And there is never, ever anyone who knows it all. There's never anyone oh God, no. who knows the right coffee and who always has the right answers. And um, I think that was like something that I took back from Melbourne, um, something that I constantly get asked, like, what is the right thing or people tell me like but this person said that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah sometimes that can be a little bit too much uh external external <laughs> influence you just yeah there's so much subjectivity in it at the end of the day you've just gotta if it feels good to you and mm. you enjoy it and you think it's awesome and you're even in the context of competition if it's a coffee you love and you think is amazing and you've served it even if the judges don't like it, <laughs> at least you can sort of go, oh, well, they didn't like it, but I thought it was incredible, so I can still be proud of what I did. Yeah. You know, there's still that little bit of, uh, what am I trying to say? Not integrity, but I think you'd still be satisfied in what you've done, you know? Um, you stay true to yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it doesn't feel as, as crushing if it doesn't go your, your way because you've done something you believe in and served a coffee that you love. Because, um, yeah, it's, yeah. It's all subjective at the end of the day. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's uh, very visible and being 14 on one day and then through it on another. 
taking, <laughs> taking the difficulties that you had with your temping, but still, like, it shows how things change overnight and oh, how, yeah. how sometimes on the, it, and that's what people constantly say, it's on the day, it's on the day, it's on the day. And yeah. I am very proud and happy for you that on two days. <laughs> Just ignore the first day. It didn't happen. Just ignore the first day. On two days. <laughs> I mean, the first day was good enough to get you to the other two days. No, but nobody <laughs> needs to rewatch that one. Just rewatch the finals one. It's fine. <laughs> Wait a minute. Because I'm still think... in front of my computer. Um, I think the live stream camera like literally zooms in on the shots gushing as well. It's, uh, it's traumatic. It's the first day that is on here, right? No, I hope not. No, I think there's a playlist of the finals performances on it, but um, I've got but, a, I've got a, a a YouTube video here, and it looks like there's no audience in the back. Oh, so maybe it is the first day. Great, that's my <laughs> legacy. Yeah, it's got eleven thousand views. Oh no. <laughs> I'm never getting hired as a barista ever again. <laughs> well, also great message for everyone else. You can still make it to the world's finals. <laughs> if the coffee is good enough. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Amazing. It's such a joy to chat to you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. We're already at, um, we're over, over an hour already. Um, what would you say to anyone who has no idea how to start in competition Oof. if you have no idea where to start so I think a yeah. lot of people are scared to reach out there's some weird they're on a pedestal thing and I would say don't be afraid <laughs> literally just reach out and ask for advice As certainly in the UK everyone is so open to mm. sharing how it works or giving advice on things um when we were sort of preparing for the world and we reached out for a little bit of support we were overwhelmed with how much people wanted to help um, mm. and so yeah just don't be afraid to to reach out because we all want to see people do well in competition i think it's yeah most newcomers are when they come to competitions think the judges want them to fail or think the audience are judging them. I promise nobody's doing that. We all want everyone to do as well as they can. So just, yeah, reach out to your local barista who competes or reach out to someone you admire in the industry who's competed before. And I promise they'll probably have some time for you. Yeah. Do you think you will always, you'll always work in coffee? Ooh, I... I would like to until I until I get sick of it. Um, no, I really enjoy the industry, and I think there's so much in it that I can explore. Um, and actually, like working more in in sourcing and working more in on the green and roasting side of things, I'm finding myself pulling that law degree skills back in more and more. Mm. Um, so it's actually kind of coming. It's like a nice full circle thing. Um, so I'll probably see myself maybe drifting in that direction in the future. But um, I mean, I've been in it ten years already, and I don't see myself leaving in any time soon so mm. we'll see but yeah no imminent plans to leave <laughs> oh god please don't <laughs> no <laughs> no we're good we're staying where I am. well thank you so much claire it's been an absolute pleasure thank you um, i think we're going to wrap it up and I'm, I'm, i've literally have learned so much about you thank you <laughs> it's um, all good and yeah, it's just very impressive having, I think I've always like, 
have I'm so so lucky to be able to interview all of these great people from from the coffee world and it's just incredible the amount of of women that I've had on this show that I didn't re- even realize I didn't know that you competed in 2016 you came up third mm-hmm. I don't know I'm, I'm an old coffee lady I'm old <laughs> um, you, you started in the same year I'm probably older than you <laughs> but still um it's just great to see that there's so many of us that just compete and compete and compete and have this thrive and they just don't want to give up they're like nah nah, I'm doing it again I'm doing it again and being like ah didn't do it gonna do it next year um I think that's like really really inspiring um so thank you so much thank you for having me for being that person um for being an incredible coffee professional and and just amazing on stage um and yeah definitely see you um oh yeah that's uh, how can people contact you do you have a website or... oh i'm not savvy enough for that i don't think um <laughs> probably instagram is the easiest way to get me right now um because yeah i definitely don't have a website <laughs> So yeah, my, my Instagram yet. handle. Um, <laughs> not yet, maybe. Um, yeah, my Instagram handle is probably the easiest way to get me because I'm constantly on Instagram. I love oh, to yes. waste time. I love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyone got any questions or anything, they can reach out to me there. So at Instagram or Claire Wallace, um, UK coffee phenomenon. Um, <laughs> You need an artist name. You send the world. You need a website. Okay, <laughs> okay I'll add it to my list. I'm on the website, just a picture of my face. Just the first video of your first day with the <laughs> Just a uh, just a gif on repeat of the gushing shots. Just yeah. Can compete on the world you stage. Can, if I can do it, anyone yeah. can do it. <laughs> That's that's my message to everyone. <laughs> oh, okay. But thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next, probably at the London Coffee Festival. I guess. Oh, yeah, that might be is, the next one. Yeah. Yeah, it might be in April, right? Yeah. It's usually d- during April, and then in Athens, I'm guessing. Yes, probably yes. And then maybe somewhere else around the world. Hmm. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Nicole. (laughs) Bye. Bye. At this point, I would like to thank Rancilio Germany for supporting this podcast. Thank you so much for making this possible. And I have learned so much about Claire and I am smiling from ear to ear because this chat was just so positive and so inspiring and I cannot tell you how motivating it feels for me hearing the stories of all of these really impressive baristas and then also hearing like, oh yeah, and then I had to compete again and then I had to compete again and then I had to compete again, just like going back at it and not getting demotivated and what I love the most is the easiness with which she talked about her way. Like, oh, I came third and then I didn't even make it to semis and then I just did it again because I'm very competitive. It is just, you see the, the drive 
and you see obviously how much work she puts in but also how much she wants those things and it's these people that really push our industry and that push people to be better so thank you so much Claire for being such an excellent role model I am really really inspired after this talk um and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity and and the listeners to get to know you a little bit better <sighs> we've said how to get in touch with Claire and if you have any suggestions to this podcast if you have any questions or anything else you can always shoot me a message um, either on my website nicolebutterfield.com or on Instagram or on LinkedIn or on any other social media platform and yeah I can't wait to show you who I've got lined up next for this podcast. Um, so hopefully you stay tuned. I wish you a beautiful week. Thank you for listening and goodbye.